Smashing hits, make it hard to adapt to this Put pizzazz and jazz in this The cash in this Master this, blast this And make a clap to this DJs don't want cuts and obey the crowd Just pump the volume up And play it loud, hip-hop's embedded Before I Here we go, week one DFS MVP, Holden Kushner TJ Hernandez, get you ready TJ, we are finally here We made it We got some great music going on What's going on, pal? What's up, man? Welcome to week one. We've been talking for uh, the last month, but a lot of our listeners don't come back till right now. So uh, welcome back. Uh, got some music. Welcome us, welcome us back. Guess who's back from Rakim off his 1996 album, The 18th Letter. You can find that, as always, on the DFS MVP Spotify playlist. Go to Spotify, search DFS MVP. Or just look for it on my Twitter. I'm always tweeting it out uh, with the podcast link. Before we get into it, like you said, fantasy football season is here. We've partnered up with DraftKings to bring you and any of our 4 for 4 memberships for free. All you have to do is go to 4for4.com slash DraftKings. That's the number 4, F-O-R, the number 4.com slash DraftKings. And follow the instructions for a free 4 for 4 sub. All right, buddy, let's do this. We're going to talk week one plays. We are going to exploit some early Vegas lines. I'm looking forward to talking about that in our game theory segment. Uh, make sure you sign up right now with the code DFSMVP. So go to 4for4.com, code DFSMVP. You get 10% off the DFS subscription only. So you got free content week one. What are we doing giving away our secrets week one? Come yeah, on, man, TJ. a nice little nice little teaser for those that haven't uh, came over and, and checked out the best proje- projections in the biz. Uh, all of the DFS content for this week will be free. Uh, all of our tools, lineup generator, uh, those will still uh, be only available to subs. But if you're on the fence and you want to check it out, uh, see what we have to offer beyond the podcast make sure you check it out this week oh man i can't believe we're giving away our information for free anyways <laughs> once you love it just type in the code dfsmvp and you'll get 10 percent off for that dfs sub uh also rate and review t-shirt giveaway what do we got going on here Every week, if you like the podcast and you give us a five-star rating and review, we're automatically into your name to get some free swag, the nicest fantasy football t-shirts in the game. Uh, we had a nice review last week from Cardo122002. So Cardo hit me up on Twitter at TJ Hernandez, and I will give you details on how to get that free, nice, swaggy 4 for 4 shirt. All right, while you're there, check out our two new podcasts here for 4 for 4. Ship Chasing, we got High Stakes Fantasy Football Leagues. I love High Stakes Fantasy Football Leagues, so check out Ship Chasing. And my pod, Fantasy First, you got all the fantasy football news in less than nine minutes. So it's really quick. You'll learn a lot, Fantasy First. Listen, subscribe, make me happy. Let's just do this, buddy. Here's what we do every week. Get right into it. During the regular season, we touch on a few of our core plays at every position, For the main slate, and then we have a theory segment. Let's get right into quarterback, my man. This guy, Carson Wentz, with a nice matchup against the dreadful Washington Redskins. And I feel like people have written Carson Wentz off just because he's been injured a whole bunch the last couple of seasons. But this is a great matchup for a guy. If you forgot, he's got some terrific wheels. He's accurate. I love that you put this guy up on the play uh, number one today. 
Yeah, I mean, he just pops in general uh, across all platforms, um, all formats. We have the Eagles right now, as we record this, are 10-point favorites with uh, implied point total just under 28. They have the second highest implied point total on the main slate. Uh, for those that are new to DFS, that's one of the key factors we're always looking for with our quarterbacks. We want high scoring. We want positive game script. We want them on the winning side with Philly being the biggest favorite of the week. That obviously lines up. Uh, really well for Wentz. Now, if you look at the 4 for 4 lineup generator this week, uh, on FanDuel, you won't see Wentz at the top of the value reports, but we have a bunch of quarterbacks kind of grouped into that $7,500 range. He's $7,600 on FanDuel, so you're splitting hairs there a little bit. Uh, on DraftKings, Carson Wentz is $5,700, priced as the QB 13, so he's priced down quite a bit there, so he really stands out, but again, I like him on uh, both formats, or any format you're playing on for that matter and this is just a, a revamped offense last year it was pretty much all Ertz no running backs and a little bit of Alshon uh, but they've added Deshaun Jackson to the mix they have a full backfield of weapons with uh, Miles Sanders Jordan Howard Jordan Howard obviously more of a first and second down back Miles Sanders can handle all three but it just gives them um, more versatility more options and obviously the better the offense is uh, the better that's going to uh, benefit the quarterback uh, we do have have Josh Norman on the other side. Uh, he doesn't shadow, so I think that actually helps what the Eagles want to do. Obviously, we're going to have Alshon and Deshaun uh, on the outside. They can mix and match however they want to attack this Washington uh, secondary and defense in general just because they know their best player is going to stay on one side of the field. Now, the reason that I really like Wentz and just this offense as a whole is because I want the option or the ability for my offenses, particularly my quarterback, to put up some explosive games, to have some uh, huge splash plays, which is going to lead to huge days. This isn't an offense that did that last year. I mentioned they just it was pretty much Everything was through Ertz last year in the passing game. Uh, they only threw deep on 10% of their passes last year. That was the lowest rate in the league. But when they did throw deep, Wentz ranked top 10 and on target percentage on deep throws, according to uh, Sports Info Solutions. And obviously, Deshaun brings that layer to their offense that they were lacking. Just Jackson's presence alone, his quarterbacks have seen almost a full uh, yard increase in their yards per attempt with Jackson in the lineup uh, versus without him. So if we uh, extrapolate that 0.94 yards per attempt to Carson Wentz last year, he would have ranked second in yards per attempt behind only Patrick Mahomes among quarterbacks uh, with at least 300 attempts. So I, I like big things for Wentz just in general this season, and I really like them to get started strong this week. I mean, just think about that. The two outside guys you talked about, Jeffrey, uh, Deshaun Jackson. By the way, Narrative Street, revenge game uh, with <laughs> yep. the Redskins. He had, a re he had a revenge game with the Redskins and now against the Redskins. Uh, I don't know how much he really hates them. I just think that they're, <laughs> it's just a complete debacle. Um, and the second thing is, so you got your outside receivers, and they got two tight ends. Now, Goddard popped up yep. on the injury report, but he should be good to go. Ertz, there's weapons all around, and we're really excited to see Miles Sanders, right? I mean, that could be a three-yard dump-off pass, and boom, uh, instant touchdown. So I'm right there with you on Wentz. 7,600 FanDuel, 5,700 DK. Um, hey, how about the guy that won a Super Bowl with the Eagles as their starter? Nick Foles, 6,500 FanDuel, 5,300 DK. Um, battling a little bit of an oblique issue. They're not making a big deal of it in Jacksonville, though. And you know they're probably going to have to throw – playing Kansas City. 
Yeah, one thing that we are always looking to do, if possible, uh, or at least we want to explore every week in DFS, is the ability to uh, pay down for a quarterback, uh, especially on on DraftKings, but uh, on on either site really. For those, again, if you're new to DFS, it's kind of a similar process to streaming quarterbacks. If you could save that quarterback position, we can usually predict pretty well how quarterbacks are going to perform against defenses. Uh, Jacksonville, they are an underdog, but they have a decent implied point total above 24. Like you said, this is a game where they're probably going to be forced to throw more just because you're playing against arguably the best offense in the league. But even if they weren't going against Kansas City, uh, anybody that's been paying attention this offseason should note that this is an offense that probably isn't going to look like the past Jacksonville uh, iteration that we've seen the past couple seasons they've obviously added Nick Foles like we already mentioned who's starting for them and they also added offensive coordinator John DeFilippo who uh, with Minnesota last year before he got fired led the Vikings to the third highest passing rate in neutral game script so that bodes well just for Nick Foles uh, on a season-long level and then you look at the matchup Kansas City hasn't improved much in their defense if at all and they finished last in quarterback schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed last year for those new to the podcast or new to four for four that's our signature metric it takes fantasy points allowed and it adjusts it for strength of schedule Kansas City finished last in that metric last year uh, if we're looking at the specific matchups 16 quarterbacks according to John Paulson attempted at least 24 passes against the Chiefs last year averaged 292 yards 1.9 touchdowns per game that's really flirting with that 300 yard bonus which we love on DraftKings if you get a guy below 5,500 that gets you that 300 yards and can get you a couple touchdowns, uh, you're sitting really pretty because obviously you're spinning up at some stud positions elsewhere. All right, so that's a couple plays there at the quarterback position. Let's move on to running back now. And I don't think, well, the two guys you got listed here, I don't think mm-hmm. there's two guys I feel more comfortable with. So you know, that's a validation for me. Seeing that, it also probably means that they're going to be chalk and they'll be fairly highly owned. But uh, let's start with Leonard Fournette going back to Jacksonville here. Expected to be more involved in the passing game. He is healthy. So that's the other thing. Half the season, it seems like he's playing with some type of injury. Yep. He's fresh right now, right? Yep. He's 7,200 on Fanduel, Very affordable. 6,100 on DK. Going up against the Chiefs. TJ? Yeah, let me start by saying, uh, obviously, if uh, every single week we're going to have two or three guys that are pretty much always going to be cash viable um, and viable really in any format, and those guys are going to be Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, and uh, Saquon Barkley. You could probably throw Alvin Kamara in there too. So unless there is some overriding uh, reason that I'm really high on one of those guys compared to the other three or four, um, I'm going to try to not waste breath on them here on this podcast because they're just always going to be options. Um, obviously, uh, CMC and Saquon are, are great options this week week but Leonard Fournette is a guy I wanted to highlight because uh, there are there are probably five or six running backs that are going to be uh, jockeying in terms of uh, projected ownership and just that are going to be projected across the industry as um, as a top five or six guys I think there's probably going to be a 
pretty clear uh, consensus this week. As far as Leonard Fournette goes, I wanted to point him out specifically because he, Nick Chubb, and Dalvin Cook, they're on both FanDuel and DraftKings. They're bunched really close together in terms of uh, salary. You mentioned Fournette, 7,200 on FanDuel, 6,100 on DraftKings. But I do believe that out of those three, I, I think Chubb and Dalvin will probably see quite a bit more ownership than Fournette. Now, I don't think Fournette's going to be like a sub 10% guy, but I do think that his range of outcomes is very similar to both Nick Chubb and Dalvin Cook. Uh, and if you can get that slightly lower ownership, even if it is in cash games, I think it's something that you might want to consider. It's something we talked about earlier in the offseason here on this podcast. If you have players that are similarly valued and you could get them at lower ownership, especially in the same pricing tier, uh, that might be a good idea to do even in cash games just because so many people people are uh, have access to these lineup generators, have the information, and uh, when we find that discrepancy, I think it's really important. Now, even though I just mentioned Chubb and Dalvin Cook as uh, guys that I think will be higher owned than Fournette, Fournette's the only running back that we at 4 for 4 have projected as a top three value on both sites. Kansas City is uh, off the, uh, defense, I'm sorry, that finished bottom two in schedule adjusted fantasy points to opposing running backs. And we are often a little hesitant to uh, to go after running backs that are underdogs, but I do think Fournette has a surprising floor and might be a little more game script dependent than some people might think. Because one, as I mentioned, I think with Foles and Filippo, this is an offense that's going to throw more than we've seen in the past. And Fournette's a good uh, pass catcher. They just haven't used him in that way. But now he's in a backfield without TJ Yeldon, who accounted for 78 targets. So uh, this isn't like a crazy big spread. It's only three and a half. So Jacksonville can keep it close. They played their defense played well against this offense last year, uh, or at least kind of kept uh, Mahomes a little bit bottled up. So I really like Fournette. Even I'm I'm willing to even play him in cash games as a slight underdog. I got him targeted right now in cash games. And and look, you brought up Foles, you brought up Fournette, and there's another Jaguar we're going to be talking about <laughs> yeah. in a little bit. But they have, team totals 24. Yeah, in Vegas, and we're going to talk about exploding the lines. That's that's no joke. Yep. That's pretty good. So, um, you know, that might be an interesting stack if you're looking for low ownership. Absolutely. Nick Foles, at least, you know, coming in at 1% or 2%. Yeah, that's um, a game to stack. And, and if yeah. you guys wanted to uh, to look for that, we do have ownership projections uh, on 4 for 4 under the DFS sub. All right, so Chris Carson, this just stands out. You know, in mm-hmm. season long, it's a guy I looked at and I said, wow, this, this reminds me a little bit of uh, Marshawn Lynch. And I don't know if he's going to be the type of violent runner. I don't know if he's going to be that productive. But to me, Chris Carson, this is the year he takes the big leap. He's 6,600 on FanDuel. He's 5,700 on DK. It's a home favorite. I mean, everything is lining up for Chris Carson. There's never a give me. But I don't know if I feel more confident in a chalk play this week than Chris Carson. Yeah, he'll be he'll be pretty chalky. But uh, regardless of what format you're playing in, one thing that we found, uh, if you read 444 last year, uh, TJ's takes where I look every week at uh, trends for winning tournament lineups or just some of the overarching studies that we've done for tournaments that you can win. And actually, it actually 
kind of slants towards chalky running backs uh, in tournaments just because we can project them so well. So it's not someone you want to shy away from, especially when you're getting a price value like we are here with Chris Carson, $6,600 on FanDuel, $5,700 on DraftKings. And while he is going to be somewhat chalky, he's priced almost uh, the same as Austin Eckler. So they're cannibalize each other's ownership a little bit. Uh, but I'm, I'm favoring Carson here for sure. Uh, Seattle is a 10 point home favorite. They have one of the higher implied point totals uh, of the week at 27 points. Uh, Cincinnati closed 29th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. And I, I have mentioned uh, schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed a couple times already. And one thing that people should be a little uh, wary about going into the season is putting too much emphasis on strength of schedule. But I have done some studies the past couple seasons. And if a team ranks uh, very low, uh, usually bottom five in any of these positional categories, but especially against running backs and quarterbacks, that usually continues on uh, into the next season. And obviously game script is something that we're really looking for with our running backs you can you can get some more information on that if you go back to last week's pod to listen to our theory segment um, about uh, running backs and positive game script but uh, as 10 point favorites against a weak Cincinnati defense it's a, a great spot for Chris Carson and even if it doesn't turn out to be a blowout the Seahawks are uh, offense Brian Schottenheimer and Pete Carroll have really talked about getting Carson involved more in the passing game and really just when you have a running back that is going to be in the run heavy offense uh, that's obviously a good thing but one thing that is probably a little bit underrated about this offense is even though they do they do slant heavily towards the run uh, Russell Wilson is one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league so he's just going to give you more scoring opportunities in your average run heavy team uh, if this thing does go as expected Carson could challenge for the week one lead in carries mm, I'm going to throw one more name at you mm-hmm. Uh, real quick is Dalvin Cook, just because he's yeah. so explosive. He's healthy. We saw what he did in a small sample last year. He just busted a big run of the preseason. And the Falcons, I think it's three straight years they've given up the most receptions to running backs. I mean, I, I isn't he going to be the chalk this week? We have Dallin projected as the highest owned player on both FanDuel and DraftKings right now. Uh, again, we're recording this, recording this Wednesday night. So by the time Sunday comes around, uh, those ownership projections can change a little bit. Uh, he is in a really good spot, home favorite against a Falcons defense that uh, really struggled against running backs last year. But one thing that uh, I think if you want a reason to get off of Dalvin and GPPs, uh, the Falcons spent most of the year last year without Keanu Neal and uh, linebacker Deion Jones, two of their best, if not uh, the best run defenders on that team. Now on the flip side, Atlanta is still a defense that sets up to uh, allow as, as many passes to their running backs as, as opposing running backs as any defense in the league, uh, just because they allow a lot of that under stuff, even with Neil and Jones in the lineup. So if I'm playing someone that's playing a bunch of 50 fifties, a bunch of double ups where I, I want to vary my cash games a little bit. I'm definitely going to have exposure to Dalvin. I'm definitely have exposure to Dalvin if I'm playing 150 lineups. Uh, but if you're someone that rolls out a single lineup in cash games and you're playing a bunch of head to heads where you have an incentive to go a little bit against the field, I think it might be a good spot to go for net over Dalvin. 
All right, let's do this. Uh, we'll move on to wide receiver now. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to Baker Mayfield talk, and he, he's talking about Odell Beckham being a security blanket. You know, forget about the fact that he could be his, his big dog and throw downfield and just crush it. This is the guy that if he needs to be bailed out, he's throwing to. So just another reason to like Odell Beckham. 8,200 FanDuel, 8,100 DK. Um, your thoughts on him being cash viable? And I, I, I do, and I think he's a great pivot off of Julio. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's pretty much viable in all formats. If you go to 4 for 4 and select a player pool or look at our lineup optimizer, uh, pretty much it's telling you that you want to pay up for at least one wide receiver no matter what platform you're playing on. And uh, Beckham leads the way in terms of value. He's our top FanDuel value uh, at wide receiver. He's our top wide receiver value on DraftKings priced over $6,000. And he's a player that that I did a really big write-up on Odell going to the Browns this year and how he and Baker Mayfield are basically just going to boost not just each other's floor, but they can uh, really have the opportunity to compete for number one overall in fantasy at their respective positions. And it's just because they fit into each other's strength so well. Uh, this is an offense that once Freddie Kitchens took over, they got a little bit away from Jarvis Landry being that alpha dog in terms of uh, target share and Odell Beckham is just such a big talent that no matter where he's at or what other weapons are around him, he's going to be one of those few guys that's well above a 25% target share. And this week he gets off to a, a really good start. Uh, Tennessee, they are a pretty good defense, but where they're really weak is at the cornerback position. Uh, Malcolm Butler and Adoree Jackson are going to be their starting quarterbacks this week, both ranked in the bottom third in PPR points per target allowed. Malcolm Butler uh, allowed the ninth most PPR target uh, PPR points per target last season. All right. So uh, Odell Beckham, throw him on there. He's probably going to be viable in all formats every week. Here's an interesting one. And I think a lot of people are going to fade Tyree kill because of Jalen Ramsey, 7,600 FanDuel, 7,600 DK. Um, I think it'd be a mistake to fade Tyree kill altogether this week. Is he more of a GPP play, a cash play or both? Uh, I think you could you can play Tyreek and Cash. Uh, before we get on to the rest of these guys, usually we only give three, maybe four guys uh, at wide receiver per week here on DFS MVP podcast. There are a ton of wide receivers and just wide receiver groups that have extraordinary matchups. And as we mentioned, we're we're giving out the uh, the write ups for free this week, so we're going to throw a couple more at you guys just because there are some uh, phenomenal matchups at wide receiver and a lot of ways to mix and match this week. But you mentioned uh, Tyree Kill and Jalen. Ramsey and if you uh, read Evan Silva's matchup column this week you saw that a lot of what that had to do with was that uh, Jalen Ramsey was pressing Tyreek Hill I think that Kansas City Andy Reid they're an offense that they're smart enough that they're going to do something to combat that they're probably gonna get Tyreek off the line a little bit put him in motion a little bit more obviously we know that uh, he doesn't just need to run vertically to make plays they could throw it to him uh, while he's running across the formation he could do all he needs to do after the catch now one reason that they were able to do that with Jalen Ramsey last year is because they had two very good safeties in Tayshawn Gibson and Barry Church they don't have those guys anymore and one of the most important things that you need to do to the Chiefs is keep the lid on them uh, and that starts with Tyree Kill so with two new safeties uh, who knows what that trust what that uh, chemistry is going to look like and another thing to 
to think about while they did hold Tyreek in check last year in week five, them being the Jaguars, they also got torched by Kelsey. So uh, I don't know if they just automatically put all the attention on Tyreek Hill. It's, it's always pick your poison with the Chiefs, but I really like Tyreek in this spot this week. All right, so uh, again, I do think people will be fading because of Jalen Ramsey and mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill. That'll suppress his ownership a little bit, right? A little bit. I just think uh, there are, like I said, there's so many favorable matchups um, at wide receiver this week uh, just from a matchup and a team standpoint that I, I don't see a wide receiver that's going to wa- run away uh, in terms of ownership. I think Probably right now we have three or four guys on both sites projected in that 15 to, to 25% range, but we don't have anybody projected above 30% uh, from those top tier guys. So I, I don't think you're going to have to worry about someone being super high owned. Uh, Tyreek's floor uh, projection right now is just 15% on DraftKings. Mm. <laughs> uh, Adam Thielen, 7,400 FanDuel, 6,800 DK. Very disappointed because I had... Um, I had Stefan Diggs just locked in. I had so much Stefan Diggs. Now, you like Thielen here. Um, your thoughts on why Thielen is so good, and if Diggs goes, is he still viable? Yeah, I was uh, – these were two guys, Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen, that were really um, just popping in lineup generators across the industry. But there, I did have a little bit of concern because once uh, the Vikings – went away from John DeFilippo and went to Kevin Stefanski last year. They became a really run-heavy offense, so there was a um, a really big risk because Thielen and Diggs are so close in terms of target share that just that overall pie was going to get a lot smaller, and if they eat into that, even if they're both seeing like 25% uh, of the team's targets, that instead of those like eight or nine we're used to, it could have got down to six or seven, which is a big difference. Now, with uh, Stefan Diggs, a surprise did not practice with a hamstring injury, even if that does come to fruition uh, against a uh, a weak Atlanta team, uh, that that lower um, passing pie, I think Thielen is probably going to uh, dominate targets with a, a slightly hobbled Diggs. Uh, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but Diggs has been one of the more extreme wide receivers in terms of his uh, statistics when he's on the injury report versus when he's off the injury report. And one of the most important uh, matchups here is slot cornerback DeMonte Kazee over on the Falcons. He allowed the most PPR points per target among corners that played last year and are expected to start in week one. So uh, if, if Diggs is hobbled, I could uh, imagine Thielen. He obviously plays quite a bit in the slot. I could imagine them just kind of uh, sacrificing Diggs to the outside and letting Thielen play a ton of slot this week. All right, so Adam Thielen, and then we'll get to Kenny Galladay. 6,900 FanDuel, 6,300 DK. Uh, You also like his teammate Marvin Mm -hmm. Jones, who got off to an amazing start last year, kind of flamed out, but uh, Arizona's pretty beat up in their secondary. Yeah, they're missing their top two corners in uh, Patrick Peterson and Robert Alford, one to a suspension, one to an injury. Uh, Byron Murphy and Chris Jones, who are going to be replacing them, have pretty much no experience starting in the NFL. So we have a secondary with two of their three starting cornerbacks, if we include the slot as a starter, with virtually no experience. And uh, that's obviously just a, a good spot to attack regardless of what the offense is uh Kenny Galladay is a guy that popped as as one of the best talents um 
of the year last year. And Marvin Jones has always been a sneaky, uh, explosive boom type play here. But the reason I think this is especially interesting is because early in, uh, at least early in the DFS process, and we're still seeing it a little bit, Carrion Johnson was, uh, is such a, uh, popular guy when price is released and he's still pretty high on a lot of value reports, uh, especially because this is a Detroit team that we saw shift to the run quite a bit last year compared to Detroit teams of the past that were very pass heavy. And Arizona was one of those defenses that we targeted a lot with the run last year. So I do think it might be a, um, a, a interesting spot to get a little bit of suppressed ownership on guys that maybe should have higher ownership in this spot. Uh, there, there's probably a fair amount of people that aren't putting in a ton of time that are simply looking at numbers from last year and not really scouring these early season rosters that uh, either just see that Arizona was really bad against running backs or don't even know that they're missing their top two cornerbacks. All right, we got one more on the list, don't we? We're going back to Jacksonville, D.D. Westbrook. I mean, this is a guy that came out of college, an elite athlete, uh, great hands. He has been injured, but he's ready to go, and he's the number one in an offense with a, at least a competent quarterback in Nick Foles. Uh, Westbrook is uh, 5,900 on Fandle, 4,800 on DraftKings. We obviously already talked about the matchup against the Chiefs, a potential shootout here. Uh, Didi's probably going to be my highest owned player across all platforms, across all game types. Uh, we saw in their uh, shortened, I guess, dress rehearsal. We didn't see many teams go like that full week three preseason dress rehearsal. Falls through 10 times and seven of them went to Didi Westbrook. One of those went for a touchdown. Uh, I, as a season long owner, when you're super high on someone, you hate to see that because he's a guy that, uh, I wrote up earlier in the off season as someone that is a buy for me in season long and redraft and somebody that I want to buy early in DFS, because those are the players, uh, in the early part of the season, the guys you expect to be breakouts and redraft. Those are great values, uh, early in the year because you want to get exposure to them before their salary pops. And I think Didi's going to be one of those guys uh, we, we've seen out of Nick Foles the last couple years is uh, he likes to throw short. He's accurate and he's thrown to the slot at one of the highest rates over the last couple years. Westbrook is the primary slot guy and he's going to be the primary target in this offense. Uh, I, I said in my write up about DD that he could approach 25% uh, target share this year. And in week one, with the Jaguars forced to throw a little bit, I think he could be the cheapest source of double-digit targets. Wow. All right, so that's wide receiver. We're moving on to tight end. And again, you know, my first look, I told you I put dummy lineups in there and I mean, Hunter Henry, and then you do the homework in Hunter Henry, right? This could be the, the breakout. This could be the Zach Ertz of you know, mm-hmm. 2019. This, we thought it was going to happen last year. He's taken over for Antonio Gates with a quarterback that loves to target um, the tight end, not only, you know, b- between the twenties, but in the red zone as well. And, and let's face it, man, Hunter Henry at 6,100 Fanduel, 3,900 DK. Uh, he's going to be pretty popular. Yeah. He's, uh, priced really far down on DraftKings. Uh, something that I think a lot of new DFS players and maybe even some seasoned DFS players might not take into account is we always think about positive game script for our running backs and, and, uh, 
more so I'm not more so, but sometimes as much for our quarterbacks, but it really applies to tight ends as well. We found in studies at four for four that tight ends just generally tend to perform, especially on the high end more when they're in a winning game script. Uh, the chargers were early three point home favorites against the Colts. When Andrew Luck announced his retirement, that number moved to seven points. So depending on where you look, the chargers are at home as six and a half or seven point favorites uh, against the Colts, a team that really struggled against Titans last year. They finished bottom two in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the position and uh, implied totals aren't always super important for our pass catchers, but we do want red zone opportunities for our tight ends uh, and the Chargers are projected for almost 26 points and so not only is hunter henry set up to be the primary uh, red zone guy at least in lockstep with keenan allen but something that i think is a, might be a little bit lost on the public with melvin gordon out a lot of people are obviously going to look to austin eckler and to a lesser extent justin jackson is that henry could absorb a lot of those uh short yardage passes that gordon took so much uh from philip rivers all right, and then George Kittle. I mean, do we really need to explain too much here? 7,300 FanDuel, 6,600 DK, first on of the scene. Uh, probably the second most dominant. Well, maybe Ertz is too. He's, he's right there mm-hmm. with Ertz as far as dominant. Uh, we got a high point total in this. George Kittle, just he, you got to have exposure if you're putting in multiple lineups. Yeah, I wanted to mention Kittle specifically just because we have uh, Ertz, Kittle, Kelsey priced as the premium tight ends. And I actually like Kittle the most out of the group this week. Uh, we haven't talked about this game yet, but this is a game that should be uh, quite the shootout. Uh, I believe the over-under is sitting at 50 right now. The spread is only one point. Uh, San Francisco in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay was one of the, the best teams to target with passing games last year and they're also going to be one of the most pass heavy offenses uh, in the league they already were last year and then they brought on bruce arians who only uh who only throws as much as they did before so you like the shootout potential uh kittle 7300 on fandle 6600 on DraftKings. so you're getting a little bit of a discount compared to travis kelsey and while he is uh only a couple hundred more than Ertz on fandle Kittle is quite a bit more than Ertz on DraftKings, $500 more. But uh, Zach Ertz has struggled against safety Landon Collins in the past, so it wouldn't be a surprise to see Ertz not put up the numbers that you would expect from a top three tight end this week. Uh, yeah, that game, again, the point totals as high as, as, high as you're going to see this week, and then mid-90s and humid. See if the early season conditioning is there for these teams. But mm-hmm. uh Let's move on to defense now, TJ. Um, we got the Ravens. We got the 49ers. Let's let's talk about the high-end choice here. 5K on FanDuel for the Ravens, 3,800 DK for the Ravens. A seven-point favorite. You're going up against the Miami offense, which is a complete disaster. Only thing they got going for them is that Fitzmagic has thrown like five or six touchdowns in a game. So, you know, once in a while that could happen. But my goodness, uh, the Ravens defense got to be licking their chops. There are, uh, on the main slate, we have four teams favored by a touchdown or more, another two by fav- uh, favored by five or more. Uh, so I, I don't expect that we will have uh, any crazy high-owned defense. I, I do think the top three or four will 
approach that 15 to 20 percent ownership range on both sites and you're obviously not really saving here with the ravens you mentioned their salaries i i like to pay down when possible but uh this might be the premier spot out of all of those uh teams that are favored by uh, five or more points because if you look at the offensive line rankings on four for four which were put together by Justin Edwards uh, we have Miami ranked as the 31st offensive line in the league uh, this is a team that is it looks like they're pretty much blowing it up and, and already uh, tanking for the future. Obviously, they're going to claim that they're not, but their actions would suggest otherwise. And you mentioned Fitzpatrick, but over the last two seasons and losses, Fitzpatrick has a 4.7% interception rate. That's uh, pretty much as high as you're going to find from any quarterback in any situation. So uh, a team that should be up a lot. Uh, against a really bad offensive line against a quarterback that does not do well in bad game script. Uh, that's probably my chalk defense there. Yeah. And, and I think then you go down, I think you're going to have to hold your breath with the Niners. Um, I'm still not sold that Arians even likes that Bruce Arians even likes uh, Jameis Winston <laughs> yeah. to tell you the truth. You just listen to some of the things that he says. Um, although he did credit Winston. He thinks he's faster than he thought he was. He ran 19 miles an hour, I guess. Uh, <laughs> early training camp. Yeah. He's running from uh, crab legs. So anyways, that was a horrible dig. So the Niners here, right? <laughs> High implied total. But, I mean, Jameis does throw an interception or two. So what do you like about the Niners here? Yeah, th this isn't going to be a, a, a team that I'm anchoring my, my cash games with. And I, I don't think you'll need more than five or six shares even in a, a 150 max contest to be way overweight but i do think it's an exploitable spot and one that people aren't going to be on uh the niners are a road dog but it's only one point and both teams are expected to score a lot so that doesn't seem like a situation that sets up uh for a defense but we've seen many times you can have defenses score a lot of fantasy points even if they give up a lot of real points and that's because one of the biggest drivers of fantasy production for defense is the ability to get after the quarterback. Obviously, we want those quarterback pressures. That's going to turn to uh, strip sacks, fumble recoveries, maybe a scoop and score, and obviously pressure is going to lead to interceptions. So Tampa Bay, I mentioned offensive line rankings. They come into uh, week one ranked as 4 for four's 30th offensive line. I mentioned this was one of the most pass-heavy teams in the league last year. Bruce Arians has been one of the most pass-heavy coaches in the league, and He's been one of the most uh, deep ball-friendly coaches in the league. So that means some really long dropbacks, some routes that are going to take a long time to develop. These receivers the uh, on the Buccaneers, uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and then if you throw O.J. Howard in as receiver, all rank really high at their respective positions in terms of average depth of target. So none of these guys, or at least they haven't shown, they're not running a lot of short, quick routes. Uh, with Nick Bosa looking like he's going to play, if he can wreak havoc against this really bad offensive line, this this could be a, a tournament-winning lineup uh, and maybe one of the most important pieces to add to your tournament puzzle this week. Again, you don't need a lot of them. Um, it's a really high-variance play, and the only way I'm going to roll it out in cash if it's going to get me to uh, maybe like a third or fourth stud that I just feel like I really need, but I think the Niners have a way higher ceiling than a lot of people are going to realize this week. And we did it. Fantasy football season's here, and 4for4.com has partnered up with DraftKings. We're bringing you any of our 4for4 memberships for free. 
All you got to do is go to 444.com backslash DraftKings, follow the instructions. You get our optimal lineups, custom waiver pickups, draft analyzer software, trade evaluator, all the other great features in our memberships, just $5. And then you can enter that into contests, potentially win more. Super excited to bring you this deal. If you want to access it right away, go to 444.com backslash DraftKings and follow the instructions. Okay, let's do this theory segment. This is what initially got me into Mm -hmm. this podcast in the beginning anyways, way back a hundred and something episodes ago. Love the game theory, and I'm glad you brought this up. Exploiting early Vegas lines. What is it about exploiting Vegas lines in week one that can help us win some cash. Yeah, not just week one, but early in the season, like you mentioned, every week uh, we, we do these theory segments and it's kind of the, uh, the the teach a man to fish methodology. And if you are new, I, I really encourage you to go back through the pod uh, just this year alone on, on our preseason pods, but uh, to all the way back to the beginning of the DFS MVP podcast, we basically have a, a entire university uh, DFS University on our podcast in these theory segments. Uh, this will be on uh, a little bit on the shorter side for our theory, but I think it's probably one of the most actionable uh, and easiest to understand theory segments that we've maybe ever had on this podcast. So basically what I did is I went back because one thing we look at so much in, in DFS and you've, if you've new, if you're new, you've already heard me talk about it in this podcast is uh, we rely a lot on Vegas lines because in general, Vegas is uh, they're very accurate because they are monetarily incentivized to put out accurate lines as quickly as possible. So people uh, can't hedge against them or, or exploit a really bad line. And, and then they have to adjust it and be in a position where people can hedge against it. But what I did is uh, I looked at specifically implied point totals and I wanted to see how, uh, if there was um, like an adjustment period for Vegas, I, I think even some casual listeners or casual bettors or DFS players might have heard or, or just intuitively thought that there might be an edge early in the year because uh, sometimes we just don't know who the good teams are and, and there are uh, surprises. So what I did is I broke the season up into chunks of four weeks. I excluded week 17 just because there's so much weird stuff that could go on in week 17. Uh, so weeks one through four, uh, weeks nine through six, uh, I'm sorry, five through eight, nine through 12 and 13 through 16. And then I broke up teams based on their implied point total, uh, kind of put them into buckets, teams that are projected to score under 21 points, teams that are ejected projected to score 21 to 24 points teams that are projected to score 24.25 to 27.75 points then teams projected to score 28 points or more just kind of some some natural football like clean breaks where um where touchdowns and field goals make sense to to break off these numbers and what i found is that pretty much across the board uh, no matter how much these teams are uh, implied to score, that in weeks one through four, teams are scoring more on average than their implied point total. And as we get later into the season, teams start to score less than their implied point total. The lower the team's projected for, the quicker they start to score less than their implied point total. And the more that they're projected for, uh, the, the longer it takes f- to adjust. But the point here is that there's a lot of teams scoring more points than uh, than we expect them to or that Vegas expects them to. And that's very good for us in DFS because that means there's more options for us to exploit, more players that are going to be in high-scoring games. And 
obviously more fantasy points. So there's some certain teams we want to we want to look mm-hmm. at too. But I mean, I do a couple sports betting shows, and I have guys. I work with guys that set the lines there. It really is mm-hmm. fascinating. So the question yeah. is why, right? Yeah. So I I think if you know those guys, you might have some insight into this. Uh, but a a theory that I have and and that has been confirmed with some conversation, or maybe not confirmed, but uh, guys that have similar theories is basically Vegas has to figure out which offenses are actually good. And uh, early in the season, while they're waiting to do that, they're gonna put some generally conservative lines out early in the year. Uh, but then as we get further into the season, and not only does Vegas obviously know which teams are the best, uh, but uh, the public knows which teams are the best. So uh, now once they know that, Vegas can start adjusting those lines more aggressively to better reflect what teams really should score. And if we look across the board, while teams are scoring less later in the season, the difference compared to the projection is much closer to that projected implied point total. So uh, Vegas is projecting them more accurately in the middle of the year. And then as we get later into the season, once these betters have a, a lot of confidence in who these best teams are uh, or the most explosive offenses are, uh, they're probably going to be a little more confident and Vegas can start to artificially inflate the numbers on some of these best teams and betters are still going to take the over because they just love betting those exciting teams. And that's why at the very end of the year, we probably see uh, these teams coming in a little bit uh, under their, their projected lines. It's really interesting too, because for the most part, um, the guys that set the lines aren't even guys anymore. There's the guys <laughs> right. that, they right. throw some numbers at a computer mm-hmm. and spits it out. Right. You know? Um, so in the middle, you know, early on of the season, still it's, it's going to be off. So I'm glad sure. you brought this up. This is a terrific way to look at it. So, um, so let's say Vegas, they're trying to figure things out. So how do we apply this? What teams, what players do we want to, to look at here and what kind of tiers are we looking at as well? Right. So as I mentioned, the, what I'm most interested in are the teams projected in that second tier, the teams projected for more than 24 points, but less than 28. Uh, those teams that are projected for 28 or more, uh, we've done studies at four for four. There's been studies at uh, other DFS sites uh, that it's very obvious that there's a really high correlation in ownership to uh, to point spreads and to implied point totals. And obviously, intuitively, that makes sense. The teams that are going to score the most are the teams that you want the most exposure to. But early in the season, when the numbers are a little less accurate, we have a chance to, on average, find these teams projected for slightly under 28 points that can score... Uh, as much, if not more, as some of these offenses that we consider elite early in the year. And the reason that's really important is because probably DFS ownership isn't going to account for those teams. Uh, now, there are obviously going to be these teams that are really good, like the Chiefs, that are going to score more. And as I mentioned, all teams across the board early in the year are scoring more than their implied point totals on average. But the difference in ownership is really what we care about. So if the team that's projected to score 28 is scoring 30, but the team that's projected to score 24 is scoring 28 and we can get, uh, an offense that's only 30% owned. That's going after that 28 point total compared to an offense that's 70 or 80% owned. That's going to score a couple more points. Uh, that's a, a really big advantage and something that we can, uh, exploit in our, 
projections and in how we're building our DFS lineups, not just in GPPs, but just across the board. Uh, a lot of times because these offenses might not be so popular or popular yet, or we don't know exactly what players are going to pop, even though we think the offense might be good. Uh, you're just going to get lower ownership uh, across the board. So early in the season, if I'm playing GPPs and I'm looking for team stacks, I'm really looking for teams in that second tier teams projected for 25, 26, 27 points. Uh, that might not be some of the most popular ones. So the Seahawks, the Cowboys, mm-hmm. the Rams, you know, we're yep. looking at these teams here. Um, I want to talk about them specifically here for a second because the Seahawks have Cincinnati in town and they're primarily a running team, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Carson could run all over them. I, I, I do question the passing game a little bit. Yep. I get it. Russell Wilson loves going deep. He's got Tyler Lockett. Metcalf should be making his debut there. I am a little bit, you know, projected for 27, right? That's, yep. that's what you got. I'm a little concerned about that team just to, sure. just to look at it. I mean, so I, I just wanted to bring up a few teams that uh, really just fit into this model of what mm-hmm. we're talking about and just illustrate how we can exploit these things. And obviously, we're not going to take every team that uh, fits any type of bill and and go all in on e- any of them. Um, but what we can do is we look for something like f- at 4 for 4, we use not just player ownership, but we show you the ownership of a, um, of an overall offense. If we combine all the, all the players or just the passing game. So the reason I wanted to bring out the Seahawks specifically, they're projected for, uh, 27 points, but we have them ranked number eight in total offensive ownership on DraftKings. Now, this is a really good example of, um, I don't think this is going to be an offense that is all of a sudden one of the elite ones just because they're going to be a little bit handicapped by their run heavy approach. But one thing that we are looking for when it comes to GPPs is we're looking for these teams that have, have the opportunity, opportunity to boom. And that doesn't always just mean, um, high volume and passing and, in fact, we're really looking for high efficiency from our passing game. Russell Wilson, since he's entered the league, uh, has been one of the most efficient passers in the league. I believe his career touchdown rate is second only to Aaron Rodgers among active passers. So if the Seahawks are projected to uh, to put up those points, there's a really good chance that Russell Wilson can get him there. And another um, another thing about a team like the Seahawks, while they are projected for a lot of points, there just aren't players that are going to drive up a ton of ownership on this team. Uh, we have Chris Carson, who we talked about a lot. Tyler Lockett's fairly popular uh, among people that have uh, been doing any kind of off-season fantasy or redraft just because he's somebody that's going to absorb a lot of targets. But after that, who are we going to target? If we get a tight end or a second pass catcher, or just throw all three of these guys together, Russell Wilson, uh, Lockett and Carson, you're just going to be in a spot where this is a team that you're, you're even if they all have decently projected ownership, very few people are going to put all of them together. And that's what we're looking for. All right. It's great stuff, man. I like that a lot. Anything else we need to get to? Uh, yeah, just a couple more examples uh, that I'll just throw out there quickly. Cowboys projected for under 27 points, but we have them uh, just under 27. We have them projected as the 13th highest team ownership on DraftKings. Rams projected for just under 27 points, but we have them projected as the 8th 
highest team in terms of DraftKings ownership. Rams are probably the most interesting one because they're facing Carolina, who we project is one of the most popular offenses. And while we know Rams have a lot of really good weapons, they're weapons that tend to cannibalize each other's uh, ownership a lot, especially at wide receiver. And Todd Gurley, uh, if he gets anywhere near Todd Gurley work this year, this is definitely going to be the lowest ownership you'll see him all season. You mentioned this uh, off air that he's probably one of your favorite GPP plays. This is probably one of the best offenses to take all four of their core pieces and just scatter them along your GPPs. Yeah, that's a great game stack. Yeah, I mean, to me, absolutely. Rams, Carolina, my goodness. And then you, we're back to having to figure out which Rams wide receiver we want too. Yep. But I mean, with none of them are going to be super expensive. And you can, if you do a couple team stacks or you just rotate stacks with Goff and, and some with Gurley in there, you're just, you're not going, it's not going to take a lot to be overweight on any of them. So if you zero in on Rams, you're not going to use a huge percentage of your lineups to cover all your bases. And again, one of the, the most important things about them this week is we have Carolina projected as one of the most popular offenses as a whole. So if you flip that team stack and game stack it with maybe just one Panther, uh, that's a really good leverage play against what we think the field is going to do. All right, we got a couple minutes to go here, so I, w- I do want to ask you about a couple players, if you don't mind, Mister Expert over here. Let's do it. Um, so two quarterbacks that I've been looking at in cash this week, and I haven't locked either one of them into my lineup. Uh, you brought up Nick Foles. Is yep. he? We discussed him. He's at sixty five hundred Fanduel. I tell you, I play my cash only on Fanduel. Um, Nick Foles, sixty five hundred. Lamar Jackson, seventy four hundred. Yep. I mean, this is a nine hundred dollar difference here. But go look and see what the mobile quarterbacks did to the Dolphins last year. Like Josh Allen had two insane games against him, and I know Lamar Jackson said, "Oh, I'm going to throw it thirty times this year. I'm going to cut down on running." I mean, that that's nice to say. I have a hard time believing that's the case. On the other side, Foles is going to be in a shootout. So. It, it, Talk about both those guys for me because I absolutely love Lamar Jackson this week. So just because uh, Foles is so cheap relative to everybody and we and we have him as such a high value relative to his salary and relative to all the other guys' salary around him, um, I think he's very cash viable, especially on FanDuel where he's priced way below uh, the other guys. On, on DraftKings, there's a, a little bit more of a, a logjam at that price point. You got Nick Foles at 53. Uh, you have... Carson Wentz at 57, Kyle Murray at 56, uh, Kirk Cousins at 55. So you're not really getting the salary relief there from Foles, which is should be the primary reason you're playing him. But Lamar Jackson, where I think he's really interesting, is um, not just because of the reasons you mentioned, but because I do think that Kyler Murray could push as the most popular play on the slate. Mm -hmm. Kyler Murray is only $300 more, I'm sorry, $100 less than Jackson on uh, FanDuel at $7,300. He's $400 less than Jackson on DraftKings at $5,600. But uh, rookie quarterbacks in their first start Um, I think it's three out of 27 of them. I don't have the number in front of me, but have, uh, reached 20, um, 20 fantasy points in a week one start over the past, uh, 16 or 17 seasons. So that doesn't bode well for Murray 19 or 20 based on four for fours value algorithm is basically where you want your quarterback to be. That's a hard number for a rookie to hit. Uh, he is in a spot where the uh, he's with a rookie coach. They have a new offense. 
Uh, I, I Detroit, if they want to, they can play a very slow game. I think that's a concern for Murray, and he's still behind one of uh, the worst offensive lines in the league. Now, Lamar Jackson, he's in a spot where he's a big favorite. Uh, Miami is arguably the worst team in the league. I mentioned that they're probably tanking. Even if Lamar cut his rushing attempts uh, in half from last year on a per-game basis, if we extrapolate that to a whole season, he still would have led the league in rushing, and he just looks like he's an improved passer. Uh, we've seen Greg Roman offenses, while they are typically run heavy, we've seen him really be able to do well with a mobile quarterback, especially when he lets them throw it deep. Uh, that was most notable with Colin Kaepernick. I think we can see a lot of parallels with Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews that we saw to Colin Kaepernick and Vernon Davis because we have this Greg Roman offense that will let him push it down the field when he does want to throw and rushing quarterbacks just give you one of the safest floors so that's a very very long answer to yes Lamar is very cash viable no that's what I'm talking about I think Foles is an interesting one too I didn't put that much thought into Foles to me, he's a 16-point guy. I mean, it, just put him in for 15, 16 points. He's not going to – he's definitely I, – I personally don't think he's a GPP uh, play this week, although you've made some great points. You know, him and DD, it's worth throwing in there if you're doing multi-entries. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Lamar Jackson just pops so much. I, I'm so high on him. And I was just looking at some of the other – you know, options around him in the same price range. Jameis Winston, everybody's going to be on Jameis, right? And I, I, I think that game as a whole, um, mm-hmm. I, I don't have the combined ownership of the two teams, but those offenses combined should drive a lot of ownership. Uh, Jameis is really cheap on FanDuel where he's priced as the QB9 compared to the QB3 on DraftKings. So I do like him more on FanDuel just because he's offering you a lot more value. Uh, for the reasons that I listed that I like the San Francisco defense, I, I do believe that Winston's floor is dangerously low. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, especially on DraftKings, that's going to keep me off of him. You can definitely make the argument on FanDuel that because he's priced so far down that you can justify rostering him. But again, uh, there are... Are. There are quite a few players in that range. Carson Wentz, Jameis Winston, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, all separated by uh, $200 or less. And then at wide receiver, here's my last one for you, okay? Um, so this is a this is a hold your breath. And I told you that I, I need to differentiate my lineups just a little bit in cash because that's what got me success You know, once I changed it up last year, and I'm going to go with that theory again. John Brown. 5,500. Okay. Now you talk about dangerously low floor, but that jet secondary is a complete debacle, right? You got a guy that right now is healthy. He's a burner. Josh Allen has a huge arm. There's a reason why they brought the kid in. I mean, the floor is low, but John Brown to me, if you're looking to save money at wide receiver, who's cheaper at 5,500. I just, I don't know if there's anybody else that can that you can plug in there and I don't even want to call it a punt cuz I don't think he's a punt play but if you're looking to save money at wide receiver this is a guy just going up against the Jets because of what he and, and Josh Allen have you know Cole Beasley to me is the guy in PPR but half in standards John Brown yeah, so um, the and you could tell John, me I'm an idiot for that. Too. No, I have no, no, problem. no. It, it makes a, it makes sense. Uh, just from if you're you're just looking for exploitable plays because Buffalo 
uh, is a team that when they do throw, they're, they're going to throw downfield. And we don't know what this target share is going to look like because uh, there's just so many uh, new players. John Brown, um, you mentioned Cole Beasley, Robert Foster started to uh, come on a little bit last year. And Zay Jones was uh, kind of quietly dominated targets for them last year. So I don't think you could just pencil in John Brown uh, for a big target share, but he was uh, uh, above that 20% target share mark last year before uh, Lamar Jackson took over for Joe Flacco because they just stopped throwing downfield once Lamar Jackson took over. Um, you mentioned the Jets secondary. We know that when the Bills do throw, that they're going to push it downfield. Josh Allen, I believe he had the highest deep ball rate in the league. Uh, now I, I have to make a different uh, differentiation here because on FanDuel, you can take the risk and on that splash play because it is a little more conducive to high variance. There's no yardage bonus. There's no full PPR. So if you just get a touchdown, John Brown can be very cash viable on DraftKings. Even though he's priced down at 4,300, we're looking for volume a lot more than we are in FanDuel. And even if he does score one long play, uh, there can still be a lot of players that pass him. And obviously we're talking about cash and, and if he hits a good number for you, um, you're sitting pretty, but the, the, the scoring system just doesn't set up as well for a John Brown on DraftKings as it does on FanDuel. Uh, Probably not a play that that I would um, have the cojones to pull the trigger on, but uh, it's it's definitely not the worst play. Yeah, and I think, like I said, I think Beasley on DraftKings, you know, is good. He's looking for a slot receiver, and that's again GPP. I don't think there's going to be any if anybody at all on John Brown in cash. Because yeah, I mean, it just if, looks stupid. Sure, you're, you're what you're hoping is is that he has that sixty yard catch or he gets in the end zone. But you, you do have to uh, always consider, and uh, we actually uh, talked about this a couple of times last year, that the, the floor and ceiling of uh, two studs is often going to be higher uh, and quite a bit higher than two mediocre players. Mm-hmm. So if a complete punt is going to get you to a, um, a Saquon and a Christian McCaffrey, if that's what you think you need to do, that could be the winning play, even if, if John Brown busts for you compared to just two, uh, two middling players on DraftKings. Uh, if you're looking for those 4,500 guys, uh, Marquise Goodwin isn't a horrible dart throw at 4,000. You, you gotta think about Deshaun Jackson at 4,500. Uh, John Brown's 4,300 over there. Even with Jackson's finger, uh, you just need a couple plays from Jackson. See, that's the whole thing though. And yep. you know, you brought, you brought Deshaun up. He's fifty six hundred. I mean, you're mm-hmm. talking about a hundred mm-hmm. more. But mm-hmm. you know, the way my thing is 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 uh, setting up here. Those are just a couple of guys that I was thinking of. And again, it's it's Wednesday. This is the first time I put any type of lineups together. Sure. I put one dummy lineup together after the things came out. But you know, if I started two weeks ago, I your your brain's gonna blow. It's gonna blow up. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Could, I didn't want to start too early this year, and that's where I am right now. But you know, Absolutely. I'm sure we'll have other things. And then next week we can come back and say, you dumbass. I hope you didn't play John <laughs> Brown, but who the hell knows? Or, or you'll be, uh, you won't be here cause you'll have a million dollars in your pocket. And you won't need us anymore. No, no, no. I do. This. <laughs> I do this cause I love it too. It's so awesome. I really do enjoy doing the show. Uh, all right. So we're done here. Make sure you sign up with code DFS MVP, get 10% off the DFS DFS sub only. Uh, you got free content week once. So just check it out. Just check yep. out the free content. It's amazing stuff. It really is great. And yeah, 
And uh, if you want free 4 for 4 swag, go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review automatically into your name to be entered into that contest. And if you want more of what we do outside of the podcast, you can always find us on Twitter, Holden at Holden Radio. Are you at 15K? 15-3. I had a We got there, guys. Uh, yeah, thank you for doing that. And then I had a buddy. I uh, said, you know, you know, how Yahoo just does the worst grades ever. And I think <laughs> Yahoo knows it. I was just like, hey, yeah, they were making fun of themselves. Yeah. So I was like, OK, just hey, people, if you want your team graded, just send it in to me. And I had a guy with like tons of followers send nice. it out there, too. And that kind of set it on. I base I gave everybody A's and B's, though. I didn't want to hurt their feelings because Yahoo is just a bunch of dicks. Part of my bunch. <laughs> the, They're so mean. They're so mean. C minus, and I won a championship. Come on, guys. I believe the uh, Matt Harmon answer is always a B minus. Uh, so. <laughs> I've never gotten a B minus in one of the drafts. <laughs> it's always a C or C minus. Yeah, man. Oh, God. You auto draft and you get an A. That's what yep. it is. Yep. All right, take us out, and I'm sorry for the language, kids. Yeah, we got uh, we we got Holden Radio on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at TJ Hernandez if you want uh, more of what I have to say. Uh, we're back, guys. It's good to be back. Uh, welcome back. If uh, you're you're returning from last year, if you're brand new, really appreciate it. We got a long road ahead. Go all the way through championship week. So you got us for what's that? The next 21 weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, excited for it. Excited for week one. Uh, talk to you guys next week. You know I hold it down when it drop, you know it's diggy when you hear the sound From town to town, until it's world renowned And I rock New York City all year round My vibes and lyrics, find spirits like a seance It's fat crayons, my writings display chaos My plan is damaged, the diagram the way to damage I take advantage I had a fruit fly in my nose And I still did a great read So...